Thanks for tuning in to Talk FX, where we promise to keep the conversation honest and real for our Fragile X community. We are a group of moms of Fragile X children, self-advocates, and full mutation carriers from Washington, Idaho, and Oregon, all on a mission to share our stories and experiences in the hopes of reaching more Fragile X families and creating more awareness of Fragile X syndrome. So with that in mind, let's jump right in to this week's episode of Talk FX. Welcome back to another episode of Talk FX. I am beyond excited for today's episode. I have the pleasure of introducing author of Forever Boy, a mother's memoir of autism and finding joy, and the creator of Finding Cooper's Voice, Kate Swenson. Um, Kate was recently on the Today Show promoting (laughs) her new book and sharing a snippet of her and her son Cooper's story. I'm so thrilled that Kate has agreed to be on Talk FX today. Um, so I don't want to take any more of her time. So without further ado, welcome to Talk FX, Kate. Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. Yeah, absolutely. Podcasts are so much fun. So <laughs> they are. Um, so if, before we jump into all things, your new book and your blog and just all the titles you wear, <laughs> um, I would love for you just to share a bit about yourself and your family. Yeah, so I am Kate. I live in Minnesota with my four children, which still is surprising when I say it out loud. I'm like, who has four kids? That's <laughs> uh, we have Cooper, who's 11, Sawyer, who is nine, Harbor, who is three, and then we just had our baby girl. Well, I say just. She's 10 months. Her name is Winnie. Oh, such a cute name. Oh, my gosh. And she <laughs> is just a little Winnie. It's just perfect. And I am. So, yeah, you know, it's kind of funny. Sometimes I feel like I should say influencer, but that sounds really silly and pretentious. So I'm like, nope, that's not me. And then I'm like, blogger. And then I'm like, but wait, I'm a writer too. Um, I just wrote my own book. So I'm still kind of settling into my own identity, I think. Yeah. (laughs) I'm I'm a mom and a wife and we're just your standard family, I think. Um, Busy and, you know, just, just moving along. Absolutely. I mean, that's so many hats to wear. So um, I give you all the props possible. <laughs> um, so that is awesome. You, Your kids are so cute. I have to get that. I We need to start things off with that. Let's be real here. Um, <laughs> they are so adorable. Um, ever since I was able to connect with you on uh, Instagram, just you sharing your family uh, with everyone is just such a beautiful thing. So um, first, I want to thank you for that, just sharing your story. And, um, you know, in your new book, which I did receive this week, and I was so excited. Uh, (laughs) So you talk about how, um, how you had to kind of come to the realization that it wasn't necessarily your son to change, but rather yourself. And I found that really moving. And um, obviously, without giving away too much from the book, um, can you share a little bit about that? Absolutely. So I think when you have a child diagnosed with something, suddenly your whole world shifts. It just shifts a little bit. And your focus, while it was once on you know, mothering, I'm not going to say simply mothering, but mothering, it becomes a little bit 
more intense, a little bit more confusing because suddenly you're, there's therapies and school placements and, and services and supports and all these things. And, and your whole world becomes about, for me, it was for autism. And I really dove in and I, I really immersed myself. And I think for a while, I actually even lost myself to my son's diagnosis. And I think it's so important now looking back that it's a transformation and you need to focus on yourself too, because if you don't, there's no, I mean, you're the mama, so you got to focus on yourself as well. And I became an entirely different person. And I think at first I was scared of that person. I was scared of that transformation. And once I leaned into it, it was one of the best decisions I ever made. And I think the thing I say now is that, you know, our whole family, me included, we just settled into autism and we settled into our new way of life. And I hope I can help other mothers do that earlier than I did. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. And I just want to say too, I can really relate to what you're sharing because um, I don't know if I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you're aware of uh, fragile X syndrome. Um, yeah. So I um, am actually a full mutation carrier of fragile X syndrome, but without any of the behavioral or developmental uh, challenges that go along with it. So in in essence, it means that I can just have a child with fragile X. And my cousin Nathan was first diagnosed with autism, and now he has a co-diagnosis of So when I received my diagnosis, it was really hard to realize that it was me who needed to change, needed to, you know, accept what was and allow the experience to change me and grow me and strengthen me. So I really appreciate you sharing that in your, in your book and just sharing it so openly, uh, because it's not easy. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, I would love to kind of dive into um, Cooper as well. Um, how old was he when he was diagnosed with autism? So Cooper was just shy of age four. Um, he turns four, he turned four in December, and it, he was diagnosed officially in September. But Cooper was a case where um, he was born. He was born autistic. He was autistic from the second I looked down at him. I didn't know it. I didn't know what the word autism was. But now looking back. I know it was, it was there and he met all his physical milestones on time, which can be confusing. I mean, diagnosing autism, it's, it's not a black and white thing. There's a lot of gray area and, you know, it takes time for doctors to realize or even parents. And I noticed first, and I really pushed to get help because while he met his physical milestones on time, he never babbled. And other things started popping up. And and I hear this a lot from other mamas and dads. I was told, you know, first time mom, Cooper is delayed. Or I mean, um, boys are just delayed. They do things later. They're, you know, slower to talk. So I was really just not validated. And it took us a long time to get what should have been a simple diagnosis. Hmm. Wow. And that that is unfortunately not um, uncommon. <laughs> no, it's still today. Still today. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, that's just amazing. I mean, but there is so much um, 
I would say piece in finding out, you know, the diagnosis, because I've talked um, to so many different families and they've all just shared, you know, once you find out the diagnosis, you know more how you can support your child and help Mm -hmm. them to grow and to learn and get the supports that they need um, to meet those milestones in, in obviously, you know, their, uh, time. But um, yeah, it's just, it's crazy that it happens that way. <laughs> um, Absolutely. Yep. I was, um, um, what was I going to say? My mind just went blank. Something about, um, well, I think, I think, it, you know, it, it, what's so hard is like, you're told early intervention is key. Like you hear that with everything. So for us, it was just kind of, we were doing everything we could. We were doing speech. We were doing occupational therapy. We were paying out of pocket because we didn't have a diagnosis. We had to wait for appointments, wait for certain ages, you know, a certain age to get in the school district. And I I wish we could get to these kids sooner and help them sooner. Yes, absolutely. That's a huge thing that I'm passionate about as well. So, um, that is so true. And, um, I also wanted to just, ask you, you know, I know that this kind of seems like a duh question, but you know, I think it's still good for other people to hear. And that is, um, what inspired you to write Forever Boy? I mean, so many people could just assume your son and obviously I'm sure that that's part of it, but, um, what was really your inspiration to get the book, uh, going? Well, it's really the same inspiration as I had behind my Facebook page, and I have a supporter group as well, is when Cooper was diagnosed, we live in a rural area. I mean, I I say that, but it really wasn't that rural. It was 60,000 people. I mean, it wasn't (laughs) like, I grew up in a town of 700 people, so apparently 60,000 is still rural. But we were made to feel like we had the only autistic child in the whole city. We couldn't find anyone. I knew no one that had an autistic child, no one that had an autistic family member. And I think that our beginning would have been so different if I could have found other parents and connected with them. So after I made it through some of my hardest days, which I go in depth in the book about, Mm -hmm. I created a supporter group called Coop's Troops and I brought together moms, dads too, grandparents, you know, other people as well. But we all come together and we, I created a safe space to ask questions. And I see the relief in so many moms when they can say, you know, my child was just diagnosed and I'm really scared and I'm really worried. And they're not met with judgment or shame or anything else, just open arms. So the book was a natural progression. It's like, let me put our whole story, which was emotional, into a book. <laughs> and then this book can be given to people. Be like, this is my life. This is what I'm going through. Read this and you will understand. Right. That's that's amazing. So it kind of seems almost like you uh, found a lot of encouragement in writing uh, the book and just the hope that it would encourage a lot of other families that read it. I mean, that's an exciting thing in itself. (laughs) Um, So something that um, I was thinking about when I was starting to read your book is, um, did you find it challenging to be open um, with what you wanted to share in, in the book? 
Well, it's definitely a push-pull process when you're writing a book and you have an editing team because they'll, you know, they'll let you know if something <laughs> should be in there or should be in there. And and I'm um for as big as my following is, I'm I'm not open about every topic online. I'm pretty mm-hmm. um conservative conservative around topics like aggression and meltdowns, medications, potty training, all these different topics because I just don't feel comfortable sharing them. Mm-hmm. But in the book, a huge part of our story was our, you know, the climax of Cooper's aggressions and how hard it was on our family and choices we had to make, agonizing choices. And then um, ultimately starting him on medication for anxiety, which was the best thing that we ever did for him. It really brought him out of his shell, gave him language, gave him, calmed his brain. So many positives with that. So I couldn't write our story without including that. And I made sure that I did it in a respectful way, a kind way, um, a way that I hope gave hope, hope gave hope to other parents because I don't want to gloss over our hard parts, but I want to be respectful at the same time. Absolutely. And thank you so much for even just sharing that perspective. It is important to approach things in a methodical way. And especially, you know, when it comes to those challenges that so many families uh, face with special needs kids and, you know, everyone's um, experiences in those areas are different. So um, I just really appreciate that so much. Um, you know, especially when I think about my cousin and, and those areas that he's struggled with growing up. So, um, I know that a lot of families listening are probably, um, relating to you right now. So, (laughs) yeah. Um, so, and speaking of families, um, what would be something that you would want to say to any families that are listening that are maybe newly diagnosed to autism? Mm-hmm. So my book, the last chapter of my book was my favorite to write. And it is everything I wish I could have told myself in the days mm-hmm. after Cooper was diagnosed. And I mean, there are so many things that I wish I could have tell- told myself, relax, pause, take it all in. Don't feel rushed to jump to advocacy or jump to even telling grandma or telling your best friend. Just take your time, process this change, spend some time with your family, your inner family, your kid, you know, anything. And, and know that a diagnosis doesn't change who your child is. There was a period of time where, uh, and it was short, but it was like, I almost felt like giving him the diagnosis made him autistic. You know, I was so confused and it was like, well, that's not true at all. That's ridiculous. Cooper was born this way and is this way. And then we could call him red, green, blue, yellow. It doesn't change who he is. And, um, you know, build your support system. That is so important. Find other moms, find other dads, find people, siblings, even for your other kids. So you have someone to talk to, someone to text, share your highs and lows. Um, and then I'm going to say the word that drives everyone crazy, but you have to take care of yourself. You have to have some sort of self-care. And I have four kids, so I have very little. <laughs> but you, you have to find things that let yourself reset because Mm -hmm. we have had some harder periods of time with Cooper that are just really exhausting for him and hard for him and then exhausting for our family too. And we have to figure out ways to reset or we're going to burn out. 
Yes, absolutely. I mean, without taking care of ourselves, how can we take care of those that we love and the, and our children? You know, we first have to take care of ourselves before we can give our best to our children, I feel like, in a lot of ways. Um, absolutely. So thank you for sharing that perspective as well. It's, it is important. And I feel like, um, you know, while families that receive those new diagnoses want to understand more, do their research, which is great. Um, they're not stopping to take that time for themselves to process, like you were saying. And so that is something that is not said often enough. So um, mm-hmm. just thank you. Um, and I am excited to read that chapter because I haven't gotten there yet, but I'm about halfway through. So yay! <laughs> it is so exciting. And so far, it is, it's a phenomenal book, Kate. So thank, thank you. you for sharing it. Um, no wonder you were on the Today Show, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, that was so fun. And everything is obviously different because of COVID and it's changed all, you know, it's so hard. It's changed everything yeah. from everything, right? Mm-hmm. So I was supposed to go to New York and then that changed, but in a way that's okay because I still ha- I have four kids. So we did it via Zoom and that was just fine. And I got to meet Dylan Dreyer. But oh, that's you know, exciting. I was blown away by how they captured our family and they captured, I mean, they captured how it affects siblings, marriages, diagnosis. I mean, it was done so well. I just thought it it really showed a beautiful boy and a misunderstood diagnosis and a family who's trying to help him. I think it really did that. Oh, absolutely. I, I watched the video myself and just felt the same exact way. And, um, it's amazing to even just put your story out there, you know, and it, it's not always an easy thing to do. Um, no. But they did do a beautiful job. And um, what an exciting experience. And, and just to be an example of um, being willing to share, you know, your story your way, you know. Yeah. Um, and Cooper is just so sweet. Oh, my goodness. Um <laughs> He was just upstairs. So right now when I left him to come down here, he has this corner of our living room that he perches. Like he like makes a nest. He's always done that. He loves blankets and cuddly things. So he, wherever you go, Cooper has like two like queen size comforters. It's just, <laughs> he drives me bonkers. So he's all these blankets <laughs> and he has pillows. And then he has probably like 300 sheets of colored paper. He's so proud of it. And probably 500 DVDs and a DVD player. And our baby is 10 months old and crawling. And she thinks Cooper is just the cat's meow. Like she's like, this is everything. Like everything (laughs) I could ever want in a person. And Cooper is not, you know, he's not too in love with small children. Mm-hmm. But he shows her nothing but kindness. And like, she'll come over and she'll like climb all of his DVDs. And he's like, Mm, uh, mm. and then he'll sign help and I'm like I'm coming buddy I'm coming (laughs) he he can only take so much but I he's shown her nothing but kindness and that says how far he's come over the past 11 years yeah that is so cool and just the pictures I've seen of him and uh the videos that you shared is just so cute I can't stand it um what a sweet boy you have and um, I'm excited to read the rest of <laughs> this, the story in your book. Um, so what kind of, um, supports does, um, Cooper have in like in school? Um, do you guys find that you have good supports where you live? We do. So, and we didn't, and that's one thing that I, you know, I stress to 
parents now, when I talk to the parents of the newly diagnosed kids, you're going to come to a lot of dead ends and a lot of choices may appear like they were the wrong choices. You got to, my tagline is try one more thing. Always try Mm -hmm. one more thing. So we did, Cooper went to kindergarten. He was in an autism program and it was not the right setting for him. It was, it was not the right setting. And saying goodbye to public education is really hard because everyone goes to school and every kid, you know, every kid does this. And so saying goodbye to that was really hard. And for four years, we did therapies daily where we just worked on safety and sitting and communicating and self-care and all those types of things. And then when COVID hit, his therapy center pivoted and decided that they weren't taking back kids with more significant needs. So we actually went back to the school district and I was terrified. I was like, he, he was in fourth grade and I'm like, I don't think this is going to work. I, I called the director and I'm like, hello, <laughs> like, I don't know if this is going to work, but we need a place to go and I'm scared and I'm worried and I'm all the things. And he loves it. He loves for, he was, was in fourth grade and now fifth grade. And he is in an ASD classroom, which means it's him and five other peers. He is the best teacher ever. And he goes into the gen ed classroom for, um, gym and music and integrates and it's just been a lovely year for him he's he's ready 20 minutes every morning before the bus comes oh my goodness that's that says a lot too yeah because there were there were many periods in kindergarten when it was just kicking and screaming and just exhaustion to try and get him to go so I'm so thankful and and the other thing I want to say is because I talked about this earlier, he has a teacher who, when I talk with her, she tells me every positive first. And I almost have to drag, you know, the hard parts out of her because she just doesn't feel the need to tell me every, you know, she doesn't need to, we don't need to talk about all that stuff. And I'm so thankful that she looks at him as such a blessing. Yeah. And that's totally how, you know, you have a great teacher for your son. And, um, That's amazing. I am so happy to hear that he has all the supports that he needs in his school system, because that's something that so many families struggle with and are and are fighting for currently. So um, just thank you for sharing that encouragement. And, you know, I think that um, the more that um, autistic kids can get in a gen ed classroom, the the better, the, the more it does for them. And um, that is just so cool. And <laughs> to be ready for the bus 20 minutes before it comes, that is a, that's a goal for me to get to work 20 minutes early now. <laughs> right, right. I know. <laughs> so that is so awesome. And um, the, the last thing I kind of wanted to make sure to talk about is um, finding Cooper's voice. So I know we kind of uh, briefly talked about that at the beginning, but um, when did you start that? So I, um, so Cooper was diagnosed at three and a half, but mm-hmm. before then we were, I mean, like I had mentioned earlier, I knew something was going on and, and I knew that he was developing differently and I couldn't really get any help. And I've always been a writer or consider myself a writer, I guess, even on a small scale. So I started a blog and back then, you know, like eight years ago, it was on WordPress and no one even read it. It was not even really searchable or anything. And I told my husband, I'm like, I started a blog and and he's like, what's the name? And I'm like, I'm not telling you. And it was very, yeah. And I would just write and it was very raw and very open and what I needed therapy, you know, like therapeutic wise. And 
then five years ago, it'll be five years in December. So I mean, we're right at four years. I launched a Facebook page called the same name, Finding Cooper's Voice, just to share all my autism stuff. Like I wanted a place to share my writing and keep it all in a, one spot. And um, I, the growing and having a big follower count never crossed my mind. And it happened rather quickly for me. I had a, quite a few viral videos and grew rather quickly and had some growing pains, learned about the dark side of the internet, all that sort of stuff. And, you know, I think it was three years ago, I launched my supporter group, which is one of the best things I ever did. I brought together all these moms to talk in a safe space and ask questions. And I feel like I figured out my, my space now, but it took me a while. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That is so cool. You know, I remember the WordPress days myself. <laughs> yeah. Um, everyone starts somewhere, right? And yeah. I think that those are um, blessings in disguise. I, even when there's those tough moments of when you really learn how crazy social media can be. <laughs> yes. Yep. Um, so that is, that's so cool. I don't, I don't think that I've, I, I really ever got into blogs, but I love reading other families' blogs because it really gives you a sense of encouragement to, you know, read uh, other people's stories and just their experiences that they're going through um, is, is really encouraging. So, um, to everyone listening, you can definitely find Kate's new book, Forever Boy, A Mother's Memoir of Autism and Finding Joy on Amazon. And I know that there are also some copies at your local Barnes and Nobles and um, wherever else people buy books these days. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> I uh, bought a copy myself, like I mentioned, and I'm already halfway through. So um, it's so great, guys. Please uh, just get your copy because it is such an amazing story that I think everyone needs to read. Um, also, be sure to follow her on Instagram. Um, find Finding Cooper's Voice, uh, the link to buy her book and check out her Instagram and her blog will all be on our website and our Instagram page, Talk Fragile X. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to share uh, as we kind of wrap things up, Kate? Yeah, I just want to say to the parents listening, you're not alone in the struggles you face. And that can go for anything. It doesn't matter if it's autism or Fragile X or whatever it may be. Find others who understand, build your circle, and I promise you the weight will feel a little bit less. Thanks for tuning in to Talk FX. We hope you've left this episode feeling encouraged and knowing you're not alone on this journey with Fragile X. It is our mission to provide resources, support, and encouragement to our listeners. Whether you are a mom of Fragile X children, a self-advocate, or a full mutation carrier, this podcast is for you. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Talk Fragile X. You can tune in to the latest episodes on Spotify or Apple Podcast. Thank you.